0: Well, good morning. It is my absolute joy this morning to open up the Word of God with you at the start of this uh, new series. My name is Pia, and um, I am deeply excited about this uh, series called Reality Check, just because for such a long time I have felt the impression on my heart for us as a church community to go through this letter and have been holding on until, until the right time. And I really have felt, and sharing it with the other leaders, that this is the opportune time for us as a church community to walk through the letter of Colossians together. And I really believe it is going to be an incredible time for us as we open up the Word. And this morning, my my job is simply to just set us up the opportunity to talk about what we can expect and, and lay the foundation of this letter so that from here, we can move into everything God has for us. But I am deeply convinced, as it is with the Word and as it is with God's heart for His church, that there will be moments of encountering Him Today, as we go through scripture together, when last did you have a reality check moment where you needed to consider a few things and think about it and perhaps act on some stuff and maybe just make sure that stuff is real or in place or true, maybe a conversation that, that you had recently that gave you that reality check that you needed. Sometimes the reality check is there to get us back in check. Sometimes it is there to help us reconnect to the things that really matters most in life. A reality check is also there to help us see what we believe and to ask the questions around it. Is it true? Is it even real? Is it actually so? And for ages, humans have tried and tested the boundaries and the truthfulness of reality. It's like the eight-year-old version of myself who wanted to make sure that reality says chickens cannot fly. So I was like, well, I'm going to try and test this reality. So I was in our backyard in Pretoria where I grew up and uh, found one of the chickens from the chicken fold. And I took it to the middle <laughs> of the, 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 the outside space out on the lawn. And I said, chicken, I'm going to make sure reality says that you cannot fly, but I want to see otherwise. So I took this chicken And with all the strength that an eight-year-old boy had, I threw this chicken five-plus meters into the air. And lo and behold, the chicken came straight back down and hit the grass with a thump. But followed by the sound of the chicken thumping on the lawn, there was a scream from the house of my mom shouting, calling my name, and not because she was calling me for the chicken mayo sandwiches we were about to have for lunch but because she was observing my science experiment and the boundaries that I have been pushing to see if a chicken can fly or not. So I'm here this morning to tell you an absolute truth. Chickens cannot fly. Maybe for a few meters they jump and they do flap and it looks like they're flying, but it's not flying. In fact, they cannot fly at all. So kids, don't try this at home. Chickens cannot fly. Don't try that ever, the poor chicken. And I was told by my parents how misbehaving I was. But you see, reality checks are there to help us make sure that the things we consider as truth, the things we consider as right, the beliefs we have are actually in line. And then the reality check is also there to make sure that we align our lives rightly, that our lives, our thoughts, our actions and our direction is in such a way that it keeps us connected with reality, So this morning, with this series called Reality Check, a journey through the letter to the Colossians, I want to invite you to strap in and be ready to grow. We're going to be looking at a whole lot of reality that we find in text over the next few weeks. We're going to look starting next week about the new reality in Christ Jesus, what it is to become new in Him. Then we're going to move into ultimate reality. What is ultimate reality? Where does God exist in Jesus? And how do we fit into that picture? Then there's a glorious reality. That well-known scripture in in the middle of this letter, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then there's also some other realities. And in fact, false realities in this world. And this letter speaks into that as well. And false beliefs that are different to that which the church should hold on to. But then there are also a higher reality to live in that we are called to be seated and thinking like Christ and things above. We're also going to look at a unified reality, how Christ has paid preciously for the unity of the church. And then we're going to end this series talking about the outside reality, that there is a world in need of the message of Jesus Christ. So let's pray this morning and and consecrate ourselves onto the word for the next few weeks and this morning so that God can really speak to us through his letter. Lord Jesus, thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit and your written word, Lord, and those two coming together, you will lead all of our hearts to check where we are in our walk with you, to live truly according to the new reality of Christ Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, at the start of this series that you would lead us on. Thank you for these words. Thank you that it's clear, that it's defined, and that this morning as we start on this journey that you would put in our hearts an excitement, that you would put in our hearts vision for our own lives, Lord, and that you would help us to check ourselves in reality to you and to this world, and that we would be disciples in every nation, south and the west, who walk according to the purposes of Jesus. I pray this morning as your word is open that you would anoint the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. So to help us be ready for this letter in the next few weeks, I'm going to take us through some context, what this letter is really all about. But I know that sometimes when you do these things and you think about these things, that there's, there's often a, a, a worry that I'm going to get really stuck into the, the details of the letter, and that's not the heartbeat. I want to look at some things. That, who is this letter from? Why was this letter written? Who is this letter for? And as we go through these things, it's going to lay a foundation of the reality check that we will have over the weeks to come. So this letter has got four chapters. There's not even a 100 verses within it. And as we read through this, I believe the Lord is going to speak to each one of us personally through different parts of this letter. It is 2,000 years later, so some background to what happened then and the reality checks that this church had to have at that point will help us understand how we can compare our lives to this written letter. So a little bit, first of all, about the city, Colossae. It's quite an unimportant city, considered not as important. It was in between some other important cities, and it was in between some mountain ranges. And Eugene also already shared that it's in modern-day Turkey. What's interesting is that it was by a warm spring, and today if you would had to go to Turkey, you would find Colossae in a place called the Cotton Castle Spa. Sounds quite amazing to me. (laughs) But this was also on a major trade route. So a lot of people would be walking by. And then a lot of people from around the world who was walking past this trade route would find Colossae to become their home. So it was a cosmopolitan city with people from all walks of life. And the city was under the Roman rule. Now, because of the amount of people that were passing by and And the diversity of people that established themselves in the city, there was quite a lot of diversity in religious beliefs. Some of the things that the people practiced there was animism, astrology, worship of the Greek and Roman gods, superstition, mysticism, or Gnosticism, which I'll explain later. Judaism and Christianity all in one city. And already it sounds quite a lot like the world we live in. So many opinions, theologies, or philosophies and ideas of what religion is. So this letter is written by Paul, but what's interesting and different to his other letters is we aren't sure that, definitely not before, but even after that, Paul actually physically visited the city of Colossae. It was given to the church through the servant Epaphras, as we are introduced in this letter, and it's believed that Epaphras was the founding church planter of this church. So here's Paul under house arrest under the Roman government. Uh, He's imprisoned and the rules was that he could have people come and visit him and Epaphras came and spent some time with him and probably shared with Paul where this church is at which he planted and Paul was, you know what, I think I should write a letter to these people. Perhaps in Paul's mind as he knew that he doesn't know these people but he has maybe a once-off unique opportunity to speak to them, he really took deep thought around what he wants to write as a letter to this church, not to be read once, but multiple times. And here we are today, 2,000 years late, and we get to read it, and it is still applicable. So today as we read it, I want you to imagine for a moment that you lived in those times, that you were in the city, the year 60 to 62 AD, And your church leader, in this case Epaphras, comes to you and says, guys, you would not believe it. But the amazing apostle Paul has written us a letter to read. And to these people, it was very real because they were still there and the generation was still around that many of them knew about Jesus and some of them actually saw Jesus. And now they're getting a letter from Paul and it's just coming to put the focus back to Jesus. And in the same way today, we are reading a letter from Paul, from a guy we haven't met yet. But he has a single purpose in this letter, with our focus back on Jesus. I can imagine Paul sitting there and hearing from Epaphras, and under the the captivity of the Roman government, and the Holy Spirit coming to him and Prompting him and invoking in him a sense of urgency to to write this letter and Paul and the Holy Spirit working together so that this letter will be produced to minister to this church but still minister to us today. As the scripture says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And here is Paul, and the Holy Spirit comes and breathes over him the inspiration. And in the same way, here are we today, and the Holy Spirit comes, and he breathes over the Word of God, the very things that we need to have a reality check in our lives. Paul writing a letter for a people he's never met to point to Jesus with the breathing of the Holy Spirit over us, That's exactly where we are positioned at the start of this journey. It sounds like you and me today. It is still a deeply relevant letter, and we're going to find out in a few minutes exactly why. So let's ask the why question. Why was this letter written? When we understand Scripture, and, and especially the epistles, and the reasons behind the, 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 the letter that was written, we understand how to interpret the Scriptures better. I believe it was written for many general reasons, like encouraging the believers in their faith walk. It was written to remind them of Jesus and what He's done and the cross and the gospel. It was also telling them what to believe and how they need to conduct their Christian lives. But over centuries of studying Scripture, the the commentators on Scripture and the theologians and, and those who lead the church have identified that This letter was probably written because Colossae and the people of this church was under threat. They were two deeply concerning threats against this church. Now, before you think it's going to be one of those kind of mornings where we're going to be looking at some threats against the church, we're going to be quickly there, but we're going to, faster than that, move through the threats and get to the solutions this morning. And that solution, as always, is Jesus that he is enough and that he is the one before all things. So we see in, in the letter and through study that there are these two threats in this church. And the first threat is very clear, that some doubted if Jesus was God. Some doubted his, his sovereignty and his superiority and that he could actually be considered God. And for anyone who writes about Jesus, this is an essential truth. It's a major doctrine of our belief. And Paul is like, Colossians, I'm going to help you make sure that when you think about Jesus, you see Him as God in your life. Paul does a stunning job to write about the person of Jesus and, 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 the, and the, the Godness of Jesus. And throughout the years, the, the comment, commentaries on this letter says that the doctrine and the person of Jesus Christ in Colossians is stated with greater precision and fullness than any of his other letters. See some of the other letters of Paul that we love, like Romans and Ephesians and Philippians, which are great letters, but the, the, the commentaries believe that the way he writes about Jesus in this letter is unprecedented. And again, I think Paul wanted to pen something down for a people he hasn't met yet to make sure they truly understand Jesus as part of the Godhead, Jesus as fully God. He wanted to make sure that there was no doubt around that idea. The church was threatened by this idea, challenged by the culture around them, the religious diversity, that how can you say a man that walked on earth is God? You see, this fundamental truth, like it is today, is on trial. That question still abounds in our world today. Is Jesus truly God? Is He truly the way and the life forward? Well, Paul writes here in Colossians, and I said this last week on Vision Sunday, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Paul making perfectly clear that we as a church know that about Jesus. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in a moment. But the second clear threat that this church was under is that there was some other guys around the city or around the church that had this idea of different mysteries or messages or newfound revelation, almost like they have found an an otherness to God and a newness to God and like they are the secret society that could teach some other things different to the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, that there's some secret knowledge attainable for those who run after it and who seek for it. And Paul clearly writes against those and those thoughts and those false words and false ideas about who God is and what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. There was this inner circle of different revelation of people. Almost the best way to describe it is if you're at the social and you see some people talking about stuff and and you come closer and the conversation changed, you know, that kind of vibe. There was that grouping in the church where they were just like, they don't get it, but we have found something new. And something greater. They talk about the mystery. And Paul does a stunning job about addressing it. It says the only true mystery that we should be completely in awe of is the mystery of Christ in us. The hope of glory. But that is for a later week. So he writes about these. He says, watch out. Because there are those that's trying to steal the pure gospel from you. The gospel as it was shared and showed by Jesus and as it should be. And what it was really addressing is is some different theology. And I've got got three little little, uh, mathematical equations here to show you, but it's not Jesus plus theology. In other words, Jesus and something else. So it could be Jesus and new revelation, or Jesus and new vision, or Jesus and new words. It's also not Jesus equals theology. That Jesus is the same as another God or another thought. But what he was trying to do is that it is Jesus greater than theology. That Jesus is greater, far and beyond, and above all things. That he is before all things, and in him all things existed. And today, again, this message is so critical for us as a church. So quickly, the Jesus plus theology comes into our scope. Yes, Jesus, and yes, the cross, and through grace you have been faith, but You've got to do all these other things and go to these meetings or pray in a certain way and then you get to an answer and that's not the way of God. That's not the gospel. It's also not Jesus is equals to something else that I can hold Jesus and give him half of my heart but then I've got other gods that I still serve be it my own self and my own selfish, ambition or stuff in this world and that was what the Vision Sunday message was all about. Go and listen to that if you didn't. It is that Jesus is greater and beyond everything and anything else. Today, our world is filled with books that gives us Jesus plus theology. It's filled with podcasts or messages, even as it's called emerging churches who preach this. And Paul is saying to the Colossians and to us they make sure that the undefiled message of the gospel is preached in your midst. And that's what we are as an every-nation church. That is our heart's desire at all times. You know, we ought to be careful that someone doesn't come in and just say a few things that that put us on a new track. That's why the preaching and the listening and the reading of the Word is so important. That is our boundary lines. This is the measure in which everything is neutralized and everything in this points back to Christ Jesus. Hebrews says this, The first few verses of the book of Hebrews. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our Father through the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So Paul writes about these two things and Hebrews explains it so beautifully that Christ is God and that Christ is enough. Another way to say it is that Christ is supreme, that he is preeminent before all things and that Christ is sufficient. So the whole letter of Colossians could be summed up in the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ. Come on, what a message for us as a church, that Christ is enough. What a message for us as a church, that He is sufficient, but also that He is supreme before everything else. That means that when we spend time with Him, that means that when we spend time as church, as a community, being disciples of Jesus, we spend time on the most important matter in this world, the idea that He is supreme. So I want you to think about those two realities in your own walk for a moment. Is Christ before all things in your life? But then also, is he enough? Jesus in his simple message of the gospel. The greatest question that every human will have to answer, be it now in this world or one day when Jesus returns, is what did I believe about Jesus? And then the second question, is not just what you believed about him, but what did you do about the message of Jesus in your walk? You see, that question confronts us and all of us one day when he returns. But today, as you're hearing this message, you've got to ask that question. Why do you believe about him? Do you believe he is God? Do you believe that he is enough, that nothing else is needed, that he is supreme, that he is sufficient? So let's read together at the start of this letter just five verses to set us up. am going to be in verse 15 to 20. I'm going to break it up for us. Speaking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Listen to that again. All things, everything, were created through Him and for Him. There it is in these two verses at the start of our scripture this morning. He gives us the answer to the greatest question that human souls have. Who is Jesus? Well, He is God. He is the exact image and the imprint of God's nature. He is the firstborn of all creation. Big ideas and big thoughts. And if you actually read the scripture, it's, it's almost like a poem that, that Paul was writing. I cannot wait to get to that Later on, but he answers the question, who is Jesus? Jesus is God, full stop, end of story. So important for us to know that today. He says, he is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. This online service is holding together in Christ Jesus. Your life, your body, your life story, this world, the physical things, that we can touch and see, the spiritual things that we cannot see, Jesus holds it all together. Our yesterday, our tomorrow, our today, your worst day, your best day, your longest night, all those things are held together in Jesus Christ. Not only is He God, but He holds everything together to the church in Colossians and to us today. What a deep-seated truth we've got to hold on to. That he is busy holding this whole world, which seems like it's falling apart, completely together. He is the beginning, it says further on. That in everything he might be preeminent. So just read that again. He is the beginning. So the beginning back to him, or going back to the beginning, we'll always find him. So that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And there again, the question is answered. Who is Jesus? Well, He was at the beginning, and the fullness of God has dwelled in Him. So no doubt that Jesus was maybe less than God. He was fully God. And such a message for us today. Now, you see, our human response, try and grasp this idea of of Jesus and His bigness. And sometimes all it leaves us with is a moment of being speechless or in awe and adoration But there's an important thing, and I'm going to conclude my message here this morning. If Jesus is God and He is before all things, how should we then live? How should we apply this idea? And understanding that He is God and that He is enough, and and speaking against these threats, Paul is so clear in how we as Christians ought to walk. That He might be larger than life, transcendent, preeminent, but that he's also present, close, near, that he is imminent, not just transcendent, but imminent, and that he is enough to you this morning. See, that passage continues with these words. Through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And right in that moment, making peace by the blood of the cross, the big idea of Jesus becomes deeply personal. And not only the questions that we have to answer is who is Jesus and what am I doing with it, but what does it mean to me today? That He is the cosmic almighty creator, but He is also the close peace-bringing reconciler. He's come to bring peace through the blood of the cross. So our reality check this morning is not just answering the question who He is, but I believe our reality check moves through that question to probably, to the human soul, the deepest questions that humans ask. Who am I and what am I here for? The big questions in life. Who am I and what am I here for? Our passage read this. All things were created through Him and for Him. You see, there is the answer. You are God's creation. You were created Through Jesus Christ. And your question is answered. Who am I? Well, you are God's creation. You see, knowing Jesus helps us know ourselves better and who we are. What am I here for? Well, you were created for Him. All things were created through Him and for Him. And our second question is answered. Who am I? You are God's creation. What am I here for? You were made for Him. For His glory in this earth and to live for Him. Whether you're a dad, a student, a teacher, a quantity surveyor, an undertaker, a designer, an artist, whatever you're doing physically in this earth, you were made through Jesus and you were made for him. So it doesn't matter getting stuck so much in the nitty-gritties of life, as long as we have this understanding that He is God, He is before all things, and the best way to answer to that is by responding with our lives and saying, you have made me. I am fearfully and wonderfully and supernaturally and perfectly made in your image because I was made through Christ Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. I exist from that place. So therefore, Jesus, I want to also understand that existing from that place means that I exist for you. And all that really means is to say, God, all of my life belongs to you. And that is the reality check we need to have daily in the way we live. The reality check we've got to ask ourselves every day, do I understand that I am in Christ Jesus, were made through Christ Jesus, that I am with Christ Jesus in God. We're going to get to that later on. But all these amazing places of who we are, but then also do I understand that whatever I do today, it is for Him. All things were created through Him and all things were created for Him. We are yet to discover over the next few weeks that we are in Christ Jesus, our position, that He is in us, that he in us together we are in God. <laughs> Big ideas. That we are hidden in God. That Christ in us is the hope of glory. That Christ in us is the greatest mystery that humankind has ever seen. And it's much better than any mystery or idea that elemental spirits, Colossians says, all this world can conjure up. But today I want to settle with these questions once more. Who is Jesus to you? Is he fully God? Do you hold him there and do you esteem him there? And then move through that question. Do you hold him before all things? If he is fully God, we ought to hold him there rightly. But it's the big idea questions. The real personal ones is, who are you? Have you found your identity in Jesus Christ? Have you made sure that you understand that you were created in his perfection by him, even with your your, your own faults and, and, and our human bodies are fallible, but He's made you perfectly, supernaturally, wonderfully, and fearfully, and He's made you for a great purpose, and that is to live in Him. And that's the reality check that we should have at the start of this series. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray, as we opened up your Scriptures, as we start this journey and, and see Paul's intent in writing this letter, that you want to elevate our thoughts again around the the greatness of Jesus. But not just that. You want to speak to us personally about how we respond to that. We thank you for that this morning. Lord, I pray if there's anyone this morning hearing this message who do not understand who they are in Christ Jesus and they do not understand what it is to be made for Christ Jesus, that you would help them discover it today, that you would help them discover it this moment and help them discover it this week, that there would be a greater sense in them a reality check in them of what it is to understand these big questions in life. Thank you that it is answered. Thank you that we don't have to seek any further, but get get to this truth and, and know that we were created by you and for you. And my prayer is this morning, Lord, as we walk through the next few weeks, as we walk into this day and walk through this week, that our lives would be for the glory of Jesus Christ. I also pray, Lord, if there's any threat against our faith, be it human threat and philosophies against us, or be it threats of understanding things wrong, Father, that you would show us what those threats are, that we would get into your word, that we would discuss the matters of the gospel, and that we as a people will be kept safe in our journey of following you. And I ask all of that this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, family, that was just a start. And as Eugene said in the beginning, we want to encourage you to take this further. Starting this week, we will be sharing material again for our connect groups, our small groups to go through to discuss these ideas and really to to talk around these questions. Who is Jesus? Who am I? And what am I here for? And I want to encourage you, there's opportunity this week to be the church, to live in that place of worship we were created for him. It's through our prayer meetings, through our time of connect, and uh, don't miss out on these amazing things. If you were here this morning or maybe hearing this message later on and, and you have a sense that someone's got to pray with you or maybe take some of these thoughts in discussion further, we would love to do so. We have a whole team of, of leaders that are there to spend time with you and help answer any questions. So please do reach out. Our WhatsApp, WhatsApp number is that place. On the other side, someone on our team will get the details and forward it to our leaders, and we would love to be in touch with you. As you go out this week, be blessed with the ultimate revelation knowledge that Jesus is God, that he is before all things, that you are in him, and that through your life you can bring glory to his name. Love you guys, and see you again next week.